Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 334 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into our conversation after a word from our sponsors. Introducing the new Therapy for Black Girls Holiday Gift Collection. Our new ensemble of drinkware, totes, journals, and sweatshirts were designed with coziness and utility in mind while offering a gentle reminder that we are precious cargo and should be handled with care. Happy holidays, y'all. Remember to take good care and give good gifts. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. In passing, you've likely heard the phrase, the eyes are the windows to the soul. But did you know that there is an emerging body-based modality that works to process client trauma through movement in the eyes? It's called brain spotting. And today's guest is here to share all about it. Nicole Bryant is a licensed mental health clinician practicing in North Carolina. Nicole specializes in neuropsychotherapy and is currently a certified brain spotting practitioner. In our conversation, we discuss the science behind brain spotting, how brain spotting can serve as an alternative for clients dissatisfied with talk therapy, and why she believes communities of color could benefit most from this treatment. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBGInSession. Or join us over in the Sister Circle to talk more about the episode. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. 
Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you. So you specialize in neuropsychotherapy and you're a certified brain spotting practitioner. Can you tell us a little bit about what both of those things are? Wow. So certified brain spotting practitioner, I'm certified in the practice of brain spotting. Brain spotting is a psychological, well, neurological technique that has psychological benefits. The founder, Dr. David Grand, he came upon brain spotting almost 20 years ago. So we're talking about a fairly new treatment modality. He is certified in EMDR. And he found in his practice in New York when he was using EMDR with a patient, this particular patient was a figure skater. So she was an athlete and she was having difficulty meeting this particular technique as it relates to ice skating. She was coming up and then coming back down and falling. And she's meeting with Dr. Grand and she's starting to discuss just what's taking place with her as an athlete as far as what's taking place with this technique. And he was doing EMDR with her. And he found while doing a particular technique during EMDR, eye reflexes, he found that her eye began to flicker when he got to a particular spot and something in him said, just stop. EMDR is very protocol driven. There's a way to go about EMDR with this particular reflex that he was noticing with her eye. He stopped with the pointer instead of continuing with the EMDR technique. And this overflow of emotion took place. She started crying profusely. She started talking about her childhood. She started talking about the effects of the divorce and how mom blamed her for the divorce. Everything that had basically been held in her for this particular time. And come to find out, she basically had this fear of rejection and fear of messing up, fear of not being able to follow through. This was one session. She went back to the ice skating and she was able to nail the particular technique that she had all this trouble, all these weeks, all these months of being able to nail. Wow. So I wonder what kinds of like questions was he asking her related to the way her eye was fluttering? What made him think something's going on there? Like, how did he get to this rejection story? Dr. Grant talks about and brain spotting the uncertainty principle. Brain spotting has a lot to do with a felt sense. So his attunement, And how attuned he was in the therapeutic relationship, as well as that particular session, his attunement with her, holding space with her, being present with her without a neurological background, medical degree background, different things that nature to basically be able to pinpoint, okay, this is what's taking place with her eye. He decided to just stop talking. He decided to just stop as far as the particular technique that he was going to do with EMDR. And based off of his felt sense, he just allowed her to process. And she began to process on her own from a neurobiological level, was processing, crying, talking. I don't know why, but I just thought of this. And this memory just came up and I'm thinking of such and such. And she begins to process based off of that. And from there, brain spotting was born. Got it. It was almost like a free association thing. Like he just stopped the protocol and gave her space to kind of talk through what was happening. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. So he unlocked this for her. And then what does this look like then in terms of him creating brain spotting? What does he do in brain spotting? 
he creates brain spotting. He starts learning a little bit more neurobiologically what's taking place. He starts getting with other particular scientists and neurobiologists and neuroscientists. And he learns even more in regards to EMDR. And he's getting with different people and they're letting him know what is taking place neurobiology and what is taking place from a neurological standpoint and different things that nature. And he starts to develop a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more in regards to brain spotting. So me particularly, in order to become certified in brain spotting, you have to go through two phases of treatment, phase one and phase two. And in phase one, we're learning that the basic techniques such as Y access, X access, we're learning as far as inside window, outside window, resourcing and different things of that nature. And we evolve a little bit more in phase two. And then from phase two, I'm meeting with a consultant and I'm basically getting some supervision in regards to my techniques and different things of that nature. And after I complete a certain amount of hours and a certain amount of supervision consultation hours, I go before the Brain Spotting Institute and I'm awarded certification. And you also mentioned having specialization in neuropsychotherapy. So what is that? So I'm a lover of all things knowledge and learning a little bit more. And my first training session, you'll say, with brain spotting and learning a little bit more about it. For me, it was wanting to take it a little bit further and learn from a neurological, neuroscience level what is taking place within the brain and sensations and all of that good stuff. And my facilitator, as it related to brain spotting, is explaining to us that there's different schools that you'll be able to learn a little bit more as it relates to neuroscience, getting the fundamentals. So Harvard University offers a fundamentals and neuroscience program. And I enroll and I'm completing the different series and I've completed completely and I get the certification as it relates to fundamentals. So now being able to take this background knowledge of neuroscience and perception and sensation in regards to the brain and tying that to what I know now with certified brain spotting practitioner, I've basically developed my practice as far as being able to, from a psychophysiological level, how can I help the person sitting in front of me who tends to be black and brown and tends to be a woman deal with complex trauma, not just PTSD, but complex PTSD, bringing in body awareness helping her understand what's taking place as to why you're possibly feeling like this from a neurological level. And then from there, giving her the space as far as being able to process whatever she needs to process in the time that she is with me. Got it. So the neuropsychotherapy piece is really much more sharing with clients, okay, what's happening in your body when maybe you're having a panic attack or when you talk about this experience with your mom, here's what's happening in your brain. Correct. Got it. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned that brain spotting started as a spinoff basically from EMDR. He was practicing EMDR. So how is it different and what ways are they maybe similar? I have no training in EMDR mm. from what I know what brain spotting again goes back to the uncertainty principle. EMDR is more protocol driven as far as what they're learning from EMDR, being certified in EMDR protocol, how to go about the different techniques. Brain spotting, not as much. You're allowing the client really to guide you as to really what is taking place. So let's say inside window or even outside window. I'm watching them from a therapist standpoint when I'm observing what I may be seeing in their eyes, other different type of reflexes. They may yawn. 
This is the reflex that I'm seeing, seeing based off of what I'm doing with the pointer. Just focus right there. And with the felt sets, can you let me know what's taking place? Before we're starting the technique on a scale of zero to 10, what are you feeling right now in your body? Someone might say, I'm coming in with a little bit more anxiety. I just felt this panic. Where do you feel that? From head to toe, where would you pinpoint that? And then once they let me know when they pinpoint that on a scale of zero to 10, what would you rate that? Zero being nothing, 10 being what it is. Okay. Well, we're going to look for maybe if there's any type of activation. And I'm going to bring this pointer up and I'm going to take it three spots across your visual field. The only thing you need to do is just focus on the pointer. That's all I need to do. Just keep your eyes on the pointer. And then based off of what I'm seeing when them do as they're looking at the pointer, I may be able to give them some feedback as to, I just notice a lot of blinking right now as you're looking at that particular spot. I just noticed you took a yawn. I did. Yeah. You just took a big yawn, which could be a reflex. I'm noticing something taking place with your head or your neck. Just focus there for a bit. Do you feel a bit of an activation? You say you were about a six when we started. Where do you feeling now? I'm at a 10. I don't know why. I'm just feeling really, really anxious. I'm getting really, really, okay. Okay. Well, just focus there on the pointer and just let me know what you're noticing about that 10. And then a lot of times if they haven't had experience with brain spotting, they're looking at the pointer, then they're looking back at me because they're wondering why I'm not talking. So a lot of times I'll let them know before brain spotting, talk therapy versus brain spotting is a bit different. I don't do a lot of talking. I'm allowing you to process anything that comes up for you. It doesn't have to make sense. Feel free to process it. Anything. It could be be a thought. It could be a feeling, an emotion. It could be a memory. Maybe a song just popped up. Anything that comes up to you, feel free to process. And then something comes up and they start processing. I don't know why I just thought of my dad. Tell me about that. And they're starting to process X, Y, Z. And a lot of times what they do, going back to the neuropsychotherapy, I'm explaining to them as it relates to the brain. And I'll let them know, just take your fist. And inside right here is the middle part. And outside here is the outer part of the brain. And we have what's called the prefrontal cortex, our cerebral cortex that's taking place outside here. And inside here, probably the middle part, mid part brain. Well, outside here, we do a lot of talking, like in talk therapy. We're the only mammals that have a prefrontal cortex. That's why we talk and mammals stay in the fight and flight and do other different type of things to communicate what they need. Well, what we're doing with brain spotting, we're bypassing the cerebral cortex and we're going straight into the mid part here where emotions are stored. Every emotion that you've had since birth, whether you remember it or not, is stored there in our limbic system, which houses our emotions. And what we're doing right now is going straight into the subcortical with the use of your eyes and you're starting to process. And then a memory or something just popped up for you because keep in mind in your limbic system where our emotions are stored is something called our hippocampus. And the way you can think about the hippocampus is like a file cabinet. And all of us have a file cabinet in our desk at our home office, X, Y, Z, where we have files, where we file them. We pull it out when we need to get that file. And then when we're done, we place it back. Well, sometimes trauma impairs that. It impairs the ability to be able to file away the memory because the event was so traumatic or so stressful and impaired the brain's natural ability to be able to tuck it away, file it away and pull it out when I need to. In other words, I have control. Trauma impairs that because we know with the limbic system, there's no sense of time. There's no sense of language. 
So whether it happened five years ago or whether it happened 50 years ago, it's replaying and it's coming up for us in this traumatic experience. And it worked. It did. Mm -hmm. You're sitting in front of me. As a human being, you have a fight and a flight system that's going to help keep you surviving, that's going to help keep you here. It worked. And the brain, almost like a computer, is still trying to do the different downloads and uploads and all that good stuff that it does. And it's having difficulty doing that. So it goes into these fits or rages or it has hyper arousal or it gets angry. It's pacing, nightmares, flashbacks as a way to try to process the files that aren't in the file cabinet, but instead are all over the desk. And what we're going to try and do with the processing that you're doing right now is put those papers away back into the hippocampus where they're supposed to be. And you take them out when you want to, not when someone upsets you, when you're triggered. More from our conversation after the break. Attention all last minute shoppers. Just a reminder that Mother's Day is May 12th. And if you're like me, you're still trying to figure out the perfect gift for the amazing moms in your life. But no worries, Macy's has got you covered. They've got gift guides to make shopping a breeze. Whether you're looking for the perfect pieces for your fashionista mom or for your best friend who's celebrating her very first Mother's Day this year, you can shop by price, by category, and they even have specialty lists to help focus you even more, like a list for the mom who has it all and a list of items that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Right now, some of this year's hottest items include digital picture frames and Polaroid cameras. With the help of their gift guides, I'm sure you'll find just the right thing. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. How many times have you arrived in Orlando and suddenly realized you forgot the kids? But then you remember you had no intention of bringing the kids. You are in Orlando to enjoy yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to have fun and experience all the fun Orlando has to offer. Sure, Orlando is known as the theme park capital of the world, but there's so much more to this destination. It's the place where adults can become kids again, and happy hour happens any hour with never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, and outdoor adventures from zip lining to its beautiful natural springs. And, of course, fireworks every single night. Plus, you have loads of entertainment options, see unique neighborhoods, and can even visit their blossoming arts and culture. Orlando has everything for an amazing getaway with your loved ones or friends, including exciting thrill rides, lush, lazy rivers, and world-class golf and spas. Yes, there's more to see, do, and experience than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save 
at visitorlando.com. So I feel like you've already given us a little bit of like, okay, what's happening in these sessions, but can you set the stage for us? So let's say somebody calls your office, they maybe found your website or something. They say, I want to try brain spotting. Can you set the stage for us for what happens in your first session? What do subsequent sessions look like? How long does it take? Can you kind of walk us through that process? Absolutely. Each client is different. And almost always I'm starting out with a consultation first, deciding what's in the best interest of them as well as myself as it relates to the therapeutic relationship. And then after we make the decision to go ahead and decide to move forward, we schedule the first session and I'm letting them know in the first session in the intake, we're probably not going to get into brain spotting too quickly. Wanting to get to know you a little bit more, wanting to do a little bit more psychoeducation. I do a lot of psychoeducation first leading into the brain spotting session. Some of my clients have heard of brain spotting. Some of them haven't. And because it is a different technique in comparison to quote unquote talk therapy, I'm explaining to them about fight and flight. Some of them have heard of it. Some of them haven't. Explaining to them about what the nervous system is looking like under fight and flight and different things of that nature. Some homework assignments, all of that good stuff. And then maybe about the fourth, fifth session in, they're ready. They're talking a little bit more, building a little bit more rapport, getting to know me a little bit more. And what we'll do first is we'll start out with some music. So with brain spotting, David Grant, he invented biolateral music. So bio being two, lateral music that they're putting in the headphones, earphones. And it's two because it's going in both sides as far as the hemispheres of the brain. We know that the audio sensation aids as it relates to a feeling of a neutralness. They maybe start to feel calm. They don't have to be calm in order to do brain spotting, but they're going to start to feel a bit of a neutral feeling or relaxed feeling. I'll just remind them of where they are. Just remember that you're sitting down. You may start to feel a little bit more relaxed. And then I'm asking them, what are you feeling? So is the music a particular kind of music? Is it like standardized music that you play for every first session or just some music you pick? So the bilateral music has like the beach wavy sound and then there's drums and then there's something else that's being played. And what I'll tell them is just press play. They'll get the link. And I say, just press play anything. I can listen to anything, anything. Just press play. Just put it at a comfortable level where you can hear it and me. So if you need to adjust it, that's fine. Cause I just want you to be able to hear me just in case I have any questions and just listen to the music as we focus on the pointer. Oh, so the music is playing as you are doing the pointing. Absolutely. And so what happens like after the session and like, how do you maybe bring them out of this and, you know, allow them to kind of move on with the rest of their day? Again, it goes back to David Grand, the uncertainty principle. And he talks about the brain being designed to do exactly what it needs to do. The brain knows what it needs to do. The brain is healing as we're doing these particular brain spotting techniques and it's going to continue to heal. And I'll let them know that your brain knows exactly what it needs to do. As far as any particular side effects or anything like that, no, just allow the brain to take place. Now, this is a body-based modality. So you may feel some certain type of things within your body. You may not. You may have dreams. You may not. You may have crying spells. You may not. You may be just A-OK and back and sit in front of me the next week. And I don't know, that pointer thing, I feel better. I don't know why, but I'm just feeling a little bit more relief or I'm feeling a little bit more. Can we try that again? Sure. And we go back into as far as that particular technique. Others say, I didn't feel anything. 
just went on with my day. It was fine. I didn't feel any type of effect. That's okay, too. We are helping to bring down the activity level, right? We're helping to, with this particular technique, hopefully they're going down to a four, to a two, to a three, to a one, to a zero. There are times they go up to a 10 and they stay at a 10. And the session ends with them being at a 10. And we're letting them know that that's okay too. And obviously bringing in other different type of techniques that we learned in therapy school, like CBT and other different type of techniques that we can do as far as talk therapy so that they have the techniques and the tools to be able to process and cope as it relates to the particular feelings that they're feeling. Because I won't see you until next week. However, the goal isn't for them to feel 100% better or feeling as far as no particular feeling after the end of the brain spotting session. And you mentioned that you are not typically doing a lot of talking. So you're kind of just moving the pointer and checking in with them around, you know, what got activated when you moved to a certain place and you're just allowing them to talk. At what point are you kind of like either wrapping it up or moving the pointer again? Like, how does the flow of the session? Because you do say like, okay, we're not going to see each other for another week. So it sounds like sessions are still about an hour or 50 minutes or so. So at what point are you kind of like wrapping up the processing that they're doing? I do a little bit more talking and I'm explaining to them, okay, we've got about maybe 10 minutes left in the session, five minutes left in the session. I'm just checking in. Maybe they'll process a little bit more. Maybe they won't. Maybe they're just completely focused there on that pointer or whatnot. And that's the processing, just them being focused on the pointer. Others may talk and do more with their talking. Others may cry and do more with the crying or whatnot. But as we're moving towards the latter part of the minutes of the sessions, I am communicating with them and letting them know as far as the session coming to a close. Then once they're agreeable that everything is complete for them in that particular session, this is what we're going to work through. I'll bring down the pointer, check back in with them, talk about next steps when we meet next and different things of that nature. What you may feel after the sessions, what you may not feel. You may feel like you can go run and do XYZ, you may just need to take a couple of minutes like any other therapy session and just sit over to yourself for a little bit and collect your thoughts. I want to know who would be maybe a good candidate or maybe not a good candidate for brain spotting. Everybody is a good candidate for brain spotting. Everybody. It does not matter your background, social economic status, race. Everybody is a good candidate for brain spotting. I actually had the special privilege of participating in both of my training sessions in order to become certified in a BIPOC training, Black, Indigenous, practitioners of color. And when David would come in to introduce himself, the founder, he talked about that particular question. And he talked about everyone having the opportunity to be exposed, to understand, and to learn more about brain spotting. That brain spotting is not just for someone riding a Mercedes or owns XYZ. Brain spotting is just as effective and maybe more needed for someone who's taken the bus. And, you know, for me as a Black clinician, what can I do and how can I be purposeful and intentional as far as getting brain spotting out to the community where people look like myself, my features and all of that good stuff that can learn a little bit more about this body based modality and how we can bring the body into the healing process when it comes to psychotherapy. They do tell us that if you're working with certain populations, obviously, to take that under consideration and what particular training you may need. That's another benefit of brain spotting. 
Therapists are not the only people trained in brain spotting. Nurses, medical doctors, psychiatrists, occupational therapists, physical therapists are trained in brain spotting, have become consultants, are international trainers. My consultant, actually, when I was getting my clinical hours for my certification, she was a registered nurse. And is there, I know I'm sure this is different for every client, but is there like an average number of sessions that people typically complete of brain spotting? There is no average number of sessions. So when they ask how many sessions is it going to take for me to start to feel better? You could feel better after the first session. You could feel better after the fifth session. Some, it may take a little bit longer, but you will start to feel better. And how are you gauging effectiveness? That is a really good question. They come back. And effectiveness looks different for each person, obviously going back to what brought them effectiveness could be, I started out as a five. By the end of that session, Nicole, I was at a 10. But for some reason, something different took place after I ended with you. I just felt as though I was able to cope. It was just a different experience of a 10. So that felt sense coming back into play for them. And I'll ask them, what did you mean by that? Can you tell me a little bit more about what that meant? I don't know, whereas before I may have been prone to do something maladaptive, you know, unhealthy. I just found myself, this will pass. Maybe it goes back to some of the psychoeducation that we were doing prior as far as what I was learning a little bit more about my body. Okay, I'm just in panic. This is what's going on. This is why I'm feeling this tightness. This is why I'm feeling this. This is why I'm feeling that. And I called a friend or I started to journal or I ran a bath or I took a walk. So even though I was feeling these symptoms, I can cope. And I'm back here and I would like to try it again. That's effective. More from our conversation after the break. Attention all last minute shoppers. Just a reminder that Mother's Day is May 12th. And if you're like me, you're still trying to figure out the perfect gift for the amazing moms in your life. But no worries. Macy's has got you covered. They've got gift guides to make shopping a breeze. Whether you're looking for the perfect pieces for your fashionista mom or for your best friend who's celebrating her very first Mother's Day this year, you can shop by price, by category, and they even have specialty lists to help focus you even more, like a list for the mom who has it all and a list of items that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Right now, some of this year's hottest items include digital picture frames and Polaroid cameras. With the help of their gift guides, I'm sure you'll find just the right thing. Head on over to Macy's.com slash for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Are you ready for a family vacation you will never forget? One where anything is possible? If so, it's time to plan your getaway to sunny Orlando. Orlando really is the ultimate family destination. 
It's time to break out the matching bedazzled t-shirt, dust off your go-to dad jokes, and prepare for exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, and fresh new dining experiences, and so much more. Of course, you know that Orlando is the theme park capital of the world, with 15 of the world's top theme parks and water parks all in one place. And beyond the parks, there is also excitement and family fun around every corner. If you're ready to plan an epic Orlando vacation, but you're not sure where to start, you can talk one-on-one with one of their Visit Orlando vacation planners. In Orlando, anything is possible. If you can imagine it, plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. So how did you become interested in this, Nicole? And I'm curious to know, like, how learning more about, like, some of these body and movement-based modalities have really expanded your practice. So from a personal standpoint, I have experienced loss, grief and loss specifically, both of my parents passing at a very young age. By the time I was 31, I buried both of my parents. My father died tragically. My mother died eight years to the day after he passed. So May 1st, my father died. May 2nd, my mother died. We actually transitioned her into hospice the day that he died on his eighth anniversary. She died 24 hours later. So as you can imagine, in that time of year, this time of year has always been like a boom, boom. It's always been like a double whammy or whatnot. And I had a really good mentor, licensed clinical social worker at that particular point. Both of my parents had died via hospice. So I had the privilege of seeking services through hospice. And she said, well, is anyone doing body-based modalities with you? And of course I was body-based modalities. And she's explaining to me a little bit more as far as what that may mean as far as unlocking some of the grief that was taking place with me because of the double deaths and experiencing them as simultaneously as I did. And I said, no, she said, it just might be something you may want to look into. And she just started sending me some research and some information knowing me and knowing that I'm something of a lover of all knowledge and I would, you know, research myself and look into a little bit more. And I just started doing that. And she had already been trained, I want to say, in brain spotting and was explaining to me that may be something that I may want to look into as far as also being trained in, particularly with the work that I was doing with young Black women. And I signed up and I took a course and I started the training and I guess the rest is history, as they say. So you already talked a little bit about, you know, really wanting to bring this to black and brown communities. Why do you think modalities like this are very good or could be a really good fit for the black women clients that you see? Culture, mental health has a stigma in the black community. Just the stigma associated with mental health and when we hear counseling and when we hear therapy and culture, what happens in this house stays in this house. We don't talk about it. Talk, talk. We don't talk about it. So who am I to say what someone needs to be doing as far as talking about it when we may be a part of a culture where we don't talk about it? And how can you, when we already said, when we first started out in the limbic system, trauma has no sense of time, has no sense of language. We hear people say after a traumatic event, sometimes I just had no words. I literally had no words for what happened to me. I had no words. No, you didn't. 
And part of what I do to validate them in that therapeutic process, how could you? The limbic system has no sense of time and it has no sense of language. And keep in mind, you don't talk with your mouth. We talk out of our mouth, but there's a particular part in the brain that's aiding in us talking. Just like you see with your brain, you hear with your brain, you feel with your brain, how we touched, how we were touched, those first five years of life, the attachment that went back to nine times out of 10, a primary caregiver, which was a mother, that all was taking place as far as the development of the brain. So the limbic system, the occipital lobe, which helps us to see, which overlaps with other lobes as far as the parietal lobe, which helps us to feel and touch, which also overlaps with the temporal lobe that goes back to sound, which also is over here near the prefrontal cortex as far as language and different things that nature. We learn language acquisition and comprehension and speech, all of that with the brain. Wouldn't it help us to have techniques that aid us in regards to helping someone who has no words to not have to have words. Do I necessarily need to know exactly what happened when you were 10 years old and that particular situation that happened? David Grant says, no, the specifics and the details aren't necessarily what's important. Helping my individual or putting in an environment as a clinician, we learn that in therapy school, as far as the attunement and as far as the therapeutic alliance and person-centered thinking, all that good stuff, that's going to aid them in being able to process however they need to process possibly is what's more of importance for me than knowing specifically based off of your language, specifically what happened to you. If that person just needs to cry for 30 minutes, that's how they processed so if somebody is interested in finding a brain spotting practitioner to work with, where would they find these people? Like, is there a directory? You talked about like needing certification. So how can they find somebody who is credentialed to do this kind of work? Right on the brain spotting website, brainspotting.com, every certified brain spotting practitioner, every consultant and every international trainer is listed on the website, their particular state their name, their license, and what their expertise is, like myself, certified brain spotting practitioner, you will find that on the website. Got it. And for therapists who may be enjoying our conversation, what kinds of things do they need to know if they're interested in getting trained in this kind of modality? Go straight on that website. You'll be able to see as far as what's listed, as far as different particular trainings, where they're listed. He has trainings, different trainers from all over the world, almost every continent. David Grant has been to to talk a little bit more as it relates to the benefits of brain spotting and how all different types of people of all different type of walks of life and cultures are getting trained in brain spotting. Perfect. So it sounds like that website is a great source of resources if people have any kinds of questions or want to learn more about brain spotting in general. Right there. Perfect. Well, what is your website, Nicole? Is there a website that you can share? Any social media handles where people can stay connected with you? Yes. The name of my practice is Jewelers Health. I practice here in the local area of Charlotte, North Carolina. And you can go on jewelerhealth.org jewelerhealth.org to find me. Perfect. We'll be sure to include all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Nicole. I appreciate it. I appreciate meeting you, Dr. Joy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad Nicole was able to share her expertise with us today. To learn more about her and her work, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 334. And don't forget to text two of your girls right now and tell them to check out the episode. 
If you're looking for a therapist in your area, check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the Sister Circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for Black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas, Elise Ellis, and Zaria Taylor. Editing was done by Dennison Bradford. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Introducing the new Therapy for Black Girls Holiday Gift Collection. Our new ensemble of drinkware, totes, journals, and sweatshirts were designed with coziness and utility in mind while offering a gentle reminder that we are precious cargo and should be handled with care. Happy holidays, y'all. Remember to take good care and give good gifts. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs>